This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And to help me run through those headlines, I'm pleased to say I've got Matt Addison on the line. Matt, how are you, mate? Very good, thanks, mate. Yeah, another busy day yesterday with the, the next Premier League meeting, but as we're, we're going to get into, there was some actual news this week, which was uh, quite useful for us yesterday. Certainly was, yeah. It was a busy day, and that big news being Liverpool and their fellow Premier League clubs have been given the green light to resume training in small groups from today onwards. But as you paid mention to there, Matt, uh, there was further news, and we're going to get stuck into it now. But just just the top headline I'd like to go through. After the meeting, the Premier League's chief executive, uh, Richard Masters, spoke to the media. And one thing he said in particular, I imagine, will be of interest to Liverpool fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, regarding the, the trophy presentation, obviously we assume that, that Liverpool are going to win this Premier League this season now. And, and when that does happen, it's, uh, if possible, Richard Masters says there will be a trophy presentation, obviously. We know there's not going to be any fans inside the stadium whenever that is confirmed. There's not going to be a parade like we saw last year with the Champions League with, what was it, a million people or so in Liverpool city centre to, to see that. Uh, be paraded around the city so I think this is uh, an important thing for Liverpool fans I think it's certainly going to be some welcome news it's obviously what you would expect um, obviously it's a big opportunity for the Premier League to, to sort of show off as well I think it, it makes sense from their perspective if a club as big as Liverpool are, are winning it for the first time in so long to, to make that as big a thing as possible and, and certainly for Liverpool fans this will be welcome but just to, to add to that as well I think it's Obviously, we knew that, that null and void was an option that was no longer on the table anyway. But I think this is pretty much confirmation of that, that they are planning to have, you know, whether these games get played or, or whether it goes to points per game, we're not going to have a situation where the season doesn't exist. And you know, we have we have known that, I think, for, for a few weeks now. But I think some Liverpool fans needed uh, a little bit more reassurance just because of how big that is for, for the club. And certainly this seems to have done that. It certainly does, mate. As we found covering these meetings, these Premier League meetings on the Blood Red podcast and at the, the Liverpool Echo website in paper, more details invariably emerge later in the evening, like that interview with Richard Masters that we spoke about there, where we talked about the title presentation. And in this industry, certain kind of lines get leaked to very well-connected journalists and they usually get rounded up overnight in the next morning's papers. And, and that's certainly the case by Martin Ziegler in the Times today. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. Loads and loads of details to get into. So, obviously, first and foremost, we know that Premier League clubs will come back to training this week. They've agreed that all 20 of them voted for that. Um, it will be socially distanced training, which six weeks ago yesterday was the, the first time that in Germany clubs like Bayern Munich went back um, at the same sort of stage. So, as we discussed on yesterday's Blood Red podcast, we're sort of six weeks behind, really, in terms of the, the time frame. Um, but obviously, the, the factors involved in that are, you know, how well the country has, has dealt with the situation and, and sort of the, the number of deaths in England has obviously been far higher than in Germany. So that sort of makes sense. Um, I think that puts into perspective as well the time frame that we could be looking at for the Premier League to actually come back, which I know we're going to touch on a little bit more later as well. So I won't go into too much on that yet but yeah this uh, report in the Times suggests that there's going to be stringent checks on Premier League clubs 
There's going to be representatives sent out to each club's training ground to make sure that they're not doing anything that they shouldn't be or, or putting players' safety and, and health at risk. So 75 minutes per day uh, is what each player will be allowed to train for. Um, so the Premier League will be checking that. There will be GPS trackers, uh, which you know, all of the players will have on them anyway. Uh, the clubs will always monitor those sorts of things and, and make sure they're doing the right uh, sort of physical exertion um, for for the time, but that will be passed over to the Premier League as well to make sure that you know that the players are doing the right amount of exercise, they're in the right place at the right time. Um, but yeah, interestingly as well, that the Premier League have been told six to twelve months is the likely time frame that we will have to continue social distancing measures in some form. So potentially that points, I think, towards. No fans for the next six months inside stadiums for matches, maybe for, for longer than that even, which you know, economically, certainly for clubs lower down, uh, even in the Premier League, but, but certainly in the lower leagues, will be an absolute disaster. But uh, at least football, it looks like, will be coming back. I think it was a big step yesterday. Um, you know, the, the fact that the social distancing will continue, the fact that you know, obviously training is not going to be done as normal is interesting. I think there's a, a sort of suggestion really that players could be put into to quarantine to make sure that they are obviously training together. But the sort of the uh, the knock-on effect of that, if you like, is, is as limited as possible. And I know that's the case in, in some other countries. I mean, so, certainly uh, one of my cousins plays for a team in Norway and, and they've sort of come back to training now. They're training as normal over in Norway, but each player is is in quarantine. So, you know, they're they're not allowed to leave their own home or or go to the shops or or do anything like that apart from go to training uh, just to to make sure that that knock-on effect isn't, you know, passed on um, to to any members of the public or anything like that. They are in complete isolation apart from when they train with each other. And I think that's probably the the likely case in the UK for the Premier League clubs in, in the coming weeks. But... At the moment, the, the quarantine, it seems, the the, the uh, sort of discussion and, and the decision to be made at the moment is how long before the matches take place do they go into quarantine. In Germany, I think it was about a week, uh, seven days before the Bundesliga kicked off, the players were, were told to go into quarantine. So I believe that is when they were allowed to come back into contact training. Um, in the UK, you know, they copied the Bundesliga exactly, who knows, but... So the suggestion at the moment is that potentially they might want a, a two-week period before the Premier League comes back to, to sort of go into quarantine just to be extra secure and extra safe. But um, just a, a final point from the, the Times report is that next Tuesday will be the date to decide on when clubs can return to contact training. And then two days later on the Thursday, that will be the vote when we know when Premier League clubs want to play. I mean, at the moment, the idea is still June the 12th. I think that's, to be honest, very, very unlikely. It's uh, just as uh, we were about to record this podcast, we were saying, you know, June the 12th is only, what, about three weeks away. Mm -hmm. So I think at least another month um, would seem far more likely. I think June the 19th, a return of the Premier League with a Friday night football uh, game, whichever one that would be. I think I read last week that maybe Tottenham against Manchester United was was one that they had in mind for that potentially. But... uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if the Premier League was back before June the 19th. Might even be the week after. But one thing we do know is that plans are, are in place now and 
and things are starting to move a bit quicker in terms of that timeline. They are indeed. Another thing we know is that Liverpool will be back in training tomorrow. That was revealed by our chief LFC writer Ian Doyle on a story that is on Liverpool Echo's website that you can read now. And including in that report is the revelation, if that's the right word, that one player will be missing from the, the training group. Yeah, as you say, Liverpool back in training, um, as I've explained, tomorrow afternoon. But uh, yeah, no, Loris Carrius obviously hasn't played for Liverpool competitively since uh, that Champions League final in Madrid. And last month he cancelled his loan um, from Besiktas. Um, obviously, he can't now register and play in the Premier League. Liverpool are, are not going to be using him for the rest of this season because you know those are the terms of the loan spell and the, the sort of laws that apply around that. So, yeah, the, the really wasn't any point for, for Loris Carriers to come back into training and, and sort of, you know, interact with his former teammates, if you like, uh, now his teammates again, because he can't play for Liverpool for the rest of the season. So, yeah, he's going to be staying away. Uh, there's no sort of real need for him to go back to Melwood. So, there's no real need to, to take that extra risk. So I think it's a, a decision that makes sense. It's, it, it's not really a surprise. It's the only the only thing to, to think about is, is what he does next. And as much as every Liverpool fan, I'm sure, will want him to, to leave the club, go somewhere else and, and you know, have a, a good rest of his career, uh, it's going to be an interesting summer, I think. I think he would have preferred to have been able to train between now and then to keep himself sharp and to keep himself going. But, Maybe he can uh, can do that from home. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few months for for Loris Carrius, and then it's a, a big summer really for him to to get his next move in a summer which is not going to be particularly easy. I don't think for for transfers to take place. So yeah, maybe it'll uh, give him a few weeks and, and a couple of months to uh, sort of put something in place, maybe for the summer, and maybe have a chat with a few potential suitors. Speaking of transfers, our final part of the podcast will concern two players who've been linked with Liverpool. Uh, I'm pretty sure to say that Liverpool fans at the moment will be getting their football fix through the Bundesliga and one player they will be definitely keeping their eye on is Kai Havertz. He certainly enhanced his reputation with two goals for Bayley Fikusen in their 4-1 win at Werder Bremen last night. Uh, and let's face it, it sounds like the 20-year-old will have the pick of his clubs when he chooses to leave Leverkusen. I imagine Liverpool being one of those clubs, given the amount of times the uh, the attack has been linked with them. But in a story that's been picked up by Goal website and probably a lot of other publications worldwide, Havertz has been advised to stay put in Germany for the time being, at least, Matt. Yeah, he has. It's uh, an interesting story. It's uh, the former Germany player, Jens Novotny. That's the one. That, that is the one, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's been told potentially to, to go for, for Borussia Dortmund, uh, which is uh, is interesting. Obviously, they have a big reputation for developing players. Obviously, they're now with the likes of Erling Haaland, who progressed a great deal whilst at the club only a very short time. So, I think it would be uh, an interesting one, I think, Obviously, Liverpool are going to be one of those clubs who are interested. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich as well. You'd be surprised if all of the big names are not going to be there. But yeah, he, he sort of says that you know Havertz is well on the way to becoming world-class, but he does need to go somewhere where he can continue to develop. It's interesting he does actually name Jurgen Klopp as a coach who potentially could do that and could help him improve even more, which I think is you know, absolutely a, a fair comment. I think Jurgen Klopp's 
track record is is excellent. But you know, it, it is also a fair point that I think Havertz would get more games and more more minutes on the pitch if he was at Dortmund than he was um, than he would if he was at Liverpool at, at this moment in time. Now, obviously, long term, Havertz is only twenty, maybe two or three years down the line with Liverpool's front three or, or maybe if, if Havertz evolves into a more of a number 10 and a, a midfielder maybe one of those midfield trio could move on and, and maybe Havertz would be the one to come in but certainly at this moment in time when you look at the price tag 70-80 million at least it would take to get him out of Bayern Leverkusen I do think it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a risk for Liverpool to pay that sort of money and then not be able to play him week in week out as much as he is a fantastic player. I think Liverpool will have maybe other priorities at this stage. But the only thing I would say, to be honest, with the, the Borussia Dortmund link is, is whether they would be prepared to pay that sort of money either. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, they they tend to buy players who are a bit younger and, and that, but they do tend to be slightly cheaper than that as well. So I suppose maybe if, if Jason Sancho was sold and, and they had a huge amount of money burning a hole in their pocket, maybe that could be the case. But... Yeah, I'd be surprised if it does end up at Dortmund just just because of that price tag. So it's going to be interesting that there is a good chance as well that he could stay at Bayer Leverkusen for another year and, and maybe move next summer because you know I know we've said it many times, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the transfer market this window. Definitely. I think the same could be said of Kalidou Koulibaly. Actually, I think me and you, Matt, recently discussed him on this podcast given the fact that he keeps on getting linked with Liverpool, but we, we kind of wondered whether Liverpool would be wanting to pay the price that Napoli would ask for the centre-back and what he would do for Joe Gomez's development. So we'll continue to take reports linking him with Anfield with a pinch of salt. But if this report, which has been picked up by the Daily Express, is to be believed, he could end up at one of Liverpool's rivals. Yeah, it's a really interesting report. Some details in there that, that Manchester United potentially could be back in for Koulibaly. Um, obviously, as we spoke about in the past, they were sort of in the race, then they were out of it. Now they're supposedly back in. Um, reportedly as well made a bid of £89 million in January, wow. uh, which is is interesting, um, certainly. The suggestion is that Koulibaly is valued at around £62 million going into summer. Um, by Napoli, but as well as the fact, as you mentioned, Liverpool have already got Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk as their, their top two. You know, with only 12 months left on his contract, I believe 62 million would be a huge investment. Obviously, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the summer with the, the coronavirus as well, the uncertainty surrounding that. So, certainly for Liverpool, I think 62 million would be far too much. Whether Manchester United would take the same view, I don't know. Um, if they've made that £89 million bid in January and if that is true then maybe they would look at it differently and think that £62 million is a price worth paying in the summer but it wouldn't be a surprise to see Koulibaly on the move this summer but I think certainly £62 million would be a huge amount for, for any club to pay given the current circumstances and yeah, as we discussed last week I think it would be a pretty big shock if, if Liverpool were targeting another big money sense back because you know, even if Dan Lovren does leave, you'd imagine they'd go for someone slightly cheaper, even than that. Indeed. 
Thanks, Matt. That's all for your headlines for today. But before we go, on this day in 1999, Liverpool signed Sammy Hippier for just £2.6 million from Willem Tway. It would prove to be one of the club's best ever pieces of transfer business. And on this day in 2013, Sammy's centre-back partner, Jamie Carragher, brought the curtain down on his Liverpool career and what a career it was too. Thanks for listening at home or at work or wherever you are. And Matt will be back later today with a special podcast with football finance experts, a regular on this podcast. Uh, podcast Kieran Maguire. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.